Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox. I'm Dave John. With me today is Anthony Barajas. Hey. We are talking um, today about uh, his role in the Messianic Congregation of where in Alabama? Dothan, Alabama. Very southeastern, right in the corner. All right. I got to visit uh, Anthony's church last year, and uh, it was a really embarrassing experience because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> this is a funny story. So I get up to use the bathroom, and then I see um, Anthony's father, who's standing at the door, turn around from me and put his face in his hands. And I thought, oh, there's a, there's a thing going on. There's a, there's a ceremony or a prayer or something like that. I turn back around. Everyone is facing me, and I don't know what to do. I'm just completely embarrassed. So I, I go ahead and go and use the bathroom and come back and quietly sit down in my seat. And he's, he explained it was, it was totally fine. But the, the actions, the activities that happen in a Masonic church are fascinating. Um, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about those uh, activities. Yeah. So, um, I guess the first biggest difference in a messianic fellowship or congregation, whatever you want to call it, is we meet on Saturdays and something that's a little bit different right away. Like you were talking about with the, you know, covering your face with your hands. That's a certain prayer that we do called the Shema prayer. And that's just a, it's an old tradition. And the reason we do that is basically covering your eyes and focusing your entire attention on what you're praying. It's kind of like how in American culture, we have the same thing where, you know, you close your eyes, bow your head and you fold your hands together, like to basically prevent any distractions from getting into your prayer. It's the same concept. It just looks a little bit different, but we have a lot of very uh, old school, traditional type things that we do. And um, one of them is a, a dance team along with the typical worship team that we have. And that's a little bit strange. I remember the dance yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like in a circle? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you have a circle within a circle? Yes. So that's uh, that's a style of dancing called Davidic dancing. Davidic based on like a King David in the Bible. It's a very old style of dancing where everyone gets in a circle and they have a, a pre-planned, like practiced routine dance that they do to a certain song. And um, they're all synchronized. And if the circle gets too big, you know, if there's too many people, then they have to have a smaller one inside. So it's a really cool thing. Uh, it looks very nice and, um, I guess, rehearsed. What about some of the other prayers besides the shem- Shema? Did I pronounce the it right? Shema prayer? Yes. So the, I guess that's kind of a weird name, the Shema prayer, but it's because a lot of the prayers we do in our congregation are in the, the Hebrew language, which is um, the language that the Jewish people speak. And like a lot of these prayers are centuries old. Uh, Some of them go back all the way to the time in Egypt, whenever the Israelites were crossing over the Red Sea. We have one called the Michamocha prayer, which translates to who is like you. It's actually uh, pulled straight out of scripture, but it's in the Hebrew language. We have it up on a screen and we rehearse it in uh, Hebrew and then we say it in in English that we all understand what we're saying. So it's a little bit strange, a little bit unfamiliar uh, to come into a place and everyone's speaking a completely different language that is barely spoken in America. I find it fascinating and beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was it was great. Now, you were not the worship leader back when I visited. You were on the, I remember seeing you on the team. Mm-hmm. It's the, some of the songs were somewhat familiar. I, I remember a couple of uh, modern worship tunes. Where do you pull mostly from, as you as the leader, pull mm-hmm. from um, the, the resources? Do you, do you have songs that people in congregation have written? Do you write songs? Or do you pull from a specific... Um, 
brand like Hillsong Elevation, that type, mm -hmm. or just anything? Yeah. So we have about two or three folders uh, full of songs that we are familiar with and that we know. And the way we got those songs is, um, I guess the process of selection is if there's a song that someone listens to that they really like, or if, you know, one of us likes a song and uh, we have it in mind, we want to do it at our church, then um, they send it into the worship leader, which would be me. Or, you know, if it's a song that I want to do, then, then I just, I pull it. And we, I have to listen to it several times. And I have a, like a, a page of rules that I had, um, I actually wrote and I had it what's it called? Like I had it checked with the, the pastors at our church. We call them um, the elders. And so I wrote these, this list of rules and I listen to the song and make sure it lines up with all of the things that are basically in accordance to our statement of faith at our church. And if it is, like if it's all good and clear with that, then we can go ahead and try it on Wednesday night, which is our practice night. And from then on, if the song is actually like, you know, if it's perfectly fine scripturally and everything like that, but it's just really difficult to play. Uh, we may not do it because we also have to count in the fact that there's a dance team that goes along with it. So if they have a, a song that's just really difficult to dance to, or if there's one that's difficult for instrumentalists or, uh, you know, vocals, then we may just nix it. But if not, then we go ahead and practice it on Wednesday um, and then play it on Saturday morning for the service. So as you said, um difficult for the dancers i'm i'm mm -hmm. automatically picturing do you know keith and chris and getty the the getty's music uh, i believe i've heard the name but i'm unfamiliar with it i like to pick on them. i really like it it's celtic mm -hmm. it's irish whatever you want to classify it as they're from ireland or scotland or something mm -hmm. but the time signature mm -hmm. is it's either in a you know like a strange time signature or you have a measure four four then a measure three four then a measure four, yeah. something like that and I, I couldn't even imagine trying to get a dance team coordinated to yeah to one of their songs. Oh man, yeah. Not really a dancing music unless well, I don't know, maybe unless you're Irish and you're doing a an Irish <laughs> jig kind of dance or something. Uh -huh. Maybe it works. We have an issue with that actually. Whenever we were doing Wednesday night practice, a lot of the dancers, you know, because they have to create a dance in one day, which is incredibly difficult, and they have to synchronize it and um, all learn it together, and then they have a couple times to practice it, and then we do it on Saturday. But a lot of them, you know, if there's a really fast song that we have and it's like really fun and like we're all pumped up and all the instrumentalists are wanting to play fast and uh, the dancers, they're winded, like out of breath. And they're like, hey, can you guys please just like slow down? We can't handle it. Oh, man. I love the idea that dancing is not just this sporadic thing. A sporadic is fine if people mm -hmm. want to dance in church, but that it is structured, it's organized, it's on purpose mm -hmm. and it's for the glory of God. Yeah. And all those things are, are they stand alone. That's, that's the purpose. That's good. But as an additional thing, you get some cardio, yeah. you get some workout. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing that everything that God has for us is multi-purpose. Mm -hmm. I know that you follow some of the uh, dietary laws. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, so any, any kind of dietary laws that people kind of adhere to, whatever, there's a purpose for that. There's the spiritual thing of saying, hey, we're being set apart from the world. Mm -hmm. But then there's also practical, uh, you know, it's not good for you to eat this, drink this, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. Uh, always, always multi-purpose. I really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And um, I could, I could stand to do a little dancing myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, with the, the dance team, it's um, the style of dancing we do. It's a very like simple, um, modest mm -hmm. and humble, but elegant. And it's, um, mm -hmm. it's all synchronized to kind of, it's like, um, the way they describe it is 
its practice for how the coming of God's kingdom will be very, uh, you know, orderly and not chaos. And community. You all are in mm-hmm. a circle. You're usually holding hands or have your hands up mm-hmm. against each other's hands, you know, different forms of that. And it's, it's absolutely community. There is no one person that's the star of the show. Yeah. And it's in a circle, you know, country line dancing. That's you're sort of dancing in community and that kind of step, but it's all mm-hmm. in one line. Yeah. And it's facing outwards and it's usually people want to show off or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this circle idea, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a very welcoming concept. I, I really like that. Yeah, it is. And it's it's especially um, especially fun whenever you're in the circle and you can look around and you can see everyone laughing and see them just enjoying themselves because it is it is actually really fun to get in there and dance. Um, it may seem a little bit scary at first, but once you get the hang of it, it's, it's quite enjoyable. Well, it's scary to me. I, I, I don't dance. I don't oh, even yeah. Any any kind of dance, I I um, it's it's a little bit scary, but I'm I'm open to it. next time I'm down there, mm-hmm. maybe on a Tuesday afternoon or something, <laughs> not any time during the service, but maybe you want to show me uh-huh. how to um how to do that. That so. that'd be great, yeah. So you play guitar mm-hmm. and you lead, mm-hmm. and uh, tell us about your how you structure your team, how you organize them, how you lead them. Yes, so the way I guess what we focus on, um, like absolutely most important is making sure that everyone is in the correct mindset and that their um, heart is in the right place for doing worship first. And then like once we're like, okay, you're here for the right reasons, now we can focus on your, you know, instrument capabilities. Um, because honestly, I would I would rather have, uh, you know, this 14-year-old kid that played kazoo, but he played <laughs> it with his whole heart than somebody who was, you know, like a professional rock star guitarist who was just there for the music. Um, mm-hmm. But with those people, because um, everyone in our worship team is, you know, volunteer, so nobody's getting paid and nobody's professional, like not even me mm-hmm. or um, anything. But I actually play um, a few different instruments and um, I play the guitar and also piano. We have a, a pianist on our worship team and I play harmonica and we also have a, a cajon, that little wooden drum box. Uh, I actually played that for about a year before I was the the worship leader. So anybody that's in those positions and needs help with something, I can go over there and you know show them just a very simple, like, okay, first you need to get down rhythm or first just do these chords or something like that. And then per, like gradually, once they get good at that, like start incorporating more stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got an accordion that's been sitting right, <laughs> yeah. right over there. For a while, and my father-in-law gave it to me. It's a really nice accordion, and it's not being used. And uh, if you want it, I would I would love to just to just give it to you with permission of my wife. It's it's kind of ours. I have to talk <laughs> uh-huh. about it, but I would love to see accordion being used that in would, that style of music. I think it would be that awesome. would be super cool. Yeah, we have a, a couple of songs that um, that have accordion in them that we have not actually played, but it would it would bump it up quite a few notches. I have an accordion myself, but I'm not great at oh. it. Yeah, we'll get there one day. Okay, awesome. So a lot of us worship leaders have a um, kind of a broad spectrum of, of what's out there, which flavor and which record label is putting out what kinds of music and different things. I and mean, there is some smaller uh, local guys writing some things. But what I want to hear from you is what is something specifically messianic in nature, maybe not even in English? What are some resources that some people can look up and, and experience some of this specifically messianic music? Joshua Aaron, he's actually really popular. 
Yes. Yeah, Joshua Aaron is oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> we just did a Joshua Aaron a uh, couple months oh, ago. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So so yeah. you're very familiar with him then. Oh, Leanne loves him. She belonged to a Messiah congregation uh, years ago, mm-hmm. and she still observes a few things, and we have a bunch of Hebrew on our walls and different things. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, well, he's great. He's uh, That's how, actually, that's the first, probably the first guy we started listening to when we came into this, because he's very... Um, I'd say he probably does half and half English and Hebrew. It's very uh, high quality music and it's very easy to listen to and uh, sing along with. recommend is uh, Ted Pierce. Uh, Pierce spelled P-E-A-R-C-E. He does a lot of Hebrew-English mixed songs, kind of like Joshua Aaron, uh, but it's just, it's just a, a little bit different style, maybe a little bit more Middle Eastern sounding. In everyday life with a worship leader, you have some ups and downs. You have some really awesome times. You have those times where you trip and step on your own cable and mm-hmm. it rips it out of your guitar and, <sighs> and all those kinds of things. Do you have any stories of the highs, the lows of your experience? Yeah, we're toward the low side. There's a lot of times where, you know, you think being a worship leader is like just this amazing experience. And it is. It is really amazing and um, really fun and meaningful. And um, it's great to just be up there and be able to, you know, lead um, basically uh, a love letter to the creator of the universe. But Mm. there's a lot of times where dealing with the human aspect of it can be a little bit tricky because people are not always on the same page. Um, I'd say probably one of the one of the things I've struggled with most, actually, since we have a very diverse age group in our church, probably about half of them are over the age of 50. The other maybe 48% are under the age of like 30. So there's a very big group that's younger and a very big group that's older. And a lot of the older people want strictly hymns. A lot of the younger people want some more fast contemporary music. And if we play just hymns, we get complaining from the younger group. If we play just contemporary music, we get complaining from the older group. And you basically, um, you can't satisfy everybody. And there's a, a moment when you realize that, that like, even if you're playing for God, people are always going to want to have something done their way. And you just, um, you have to take a step back and say, okay, well, we're 
you know, we can compromise, like we, we can do both, but you guys are both going to have to compromise a little bit for God's sake, mm -hmm. basically. It is our culture. We have mm -hmm. a radio. We can push buttons on that radio and decide what we want when we yeah. want it. And unfortunately, even just subconsciously, it translates to all the rest of our lives, mm -hmm. uh, the different parts of our lives. And so to, to say, I'm going to come to this church and I would like it to, I'd like to push this button and then push this, you know, that, mm -hmm. that's human nature right there. Yeah. Um, that'll be an ongoing thing until we, until we get to heaven. Definitely. Yeah. I guess the positive side of that is you get to be there firsthand for a lot of the really, uh, great spiritual moments that happen in your church. Um, mm -hmm. for example, we, before worship service one day we had, uh, this was a couple of years back. We got a word from somebody that, um, it was, uh, this pregnant woman in our fellowship was having a whole lot of complications with, um, with her child. And at the time, you know, this was probably 30 minutes before the worship service started. It didn't look like the child was going to make it. Um, and it was, it was really bad and everyone was super down. We all prayed together and, but we, we got up there and we started doing worship and it was just, it was very bleak and like, cause everyone was just not in the right mindset. Um, and so there were several people who in the audience who started praying out loud and, um, and then somebody got a text saying that they just, that the pregnant woman had just gone to the doctor and, uh, the doctor checked everything out and said like, everything looks perfectly fine. The, the baby is perfectly oh, healthy man. and like it was while we were worshiping. And so we all just stopped and we all, everybody in the crowd cheered and we just started playing. Like it felt like every single person in the room, like completely renewed their their spirits and everything uh yeah it was it was amazing beautiful. Mm -hmm. i love that yeah it's uh there's a there's definite definite lows but definite highs of all yeah. of it tell me something about the structure um for, for example our service it's play one song have some announcements play two more songs then they have a time of prayer the service the uh the sermon and then one song at the end, and then if there's communion that Sunday, it's it's another song for that. It's it's pretty it's pretty much just four songs per Sunday yeah. in the, in a particular place. Uh, how do you structure yours? Okay, so we start up um, service, or at least we try to start up service as best as we can at 10:30 a.m. every Saturday morning, and. How it starts is um, all the worship team goes up there. One of the elders comes up there and they welcome everybody in. They greet them uh, and, you know, just get everybody in the room. And then we start up with worship. Um, well, he, he gives a prayer and then we start up with worship. And we play our songs that we had chosen for uh, for that week, which is usually around five or six songs. And it ends up being about 30 minutes long. And we just do a continuous 30-minute um, worship set. And if one of the worship members has a, a message or wants to read a, a passage from Scripture um, halfway through, them, they can just do that and we'll just you know play instrumentally. And then once that's over, um, all the worship team sits down and we do um, the structured prayers, the liturgy. And that one isn't... Um, you know, it's not incredibly exciting, but it's uh, just very, like, synchronized praying together, which is very nice. Then there's the teaching, and then right after the teaching, um, they, the our pastor or whoever did the teaching that day does the blessing for the 
for the food. And then we, um, usually me and my wife and maybe one other person come back up onto the stage and we do the Aaronic benediction at the end, which, you know, the may the Lord bless you and keep you may make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. We have a, a song for that in Hebrew. And then in, we just say it in English as everyone's gathered together and then basically bless them and, uh, say, enjoy, go eat. And then we have uh, lunch. My favorite part. Yep. That's <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, I say that in jest, but I love the fact that we are commanded to, to break bread together. Mm-hmm. We're commanded to have, um, I don't know if you guys follow uh, some of the different feasts, mm-hmm. uh, different things like that, but just to the very fact that we're supposed to come together mm-hmm. and share a meal uh, as part of worship. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 our worship of God saying, hey, we're going to do this thing. It happens to be that we really like it, but <laughs> we're going to do this thing for you, and uh, we know you're going to bless it. And um, I, I, I do enjoy that part. Yeah. I wish more churches would do that very thing where every Sunday— that is your meal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is your that is your lunch. Um, I think I think that would be good for a lot more churches to do that. Yeah, I, I know. When I was a kid, like seven or eight, I was always starving at the end of church and waiting around. Like I would, I was super happy if they had donuts or something like that. So this is definitely mm-hmm. great. I remember there was a part of your worship service where two people, I think it was your mom and dad, would raise a piece of cloth mm-hmm. up. And then children would come underneath it, and there was a blessing of the children. Tell me what that is, and do you do that every service or on a quarterly basis? Or yes, that uh, we do that right after the the um, liturgy service and right before the teaching and announcements. Um, that's the children's blessing, and what they raise is called a chupa. It's basically four poles with a prayer shawl or a talit in Hebrew uh, connected to the poles. So it makes like a little tent, and there's four guys that are holding up the the chupa and then there's um, a couple that comes over there and they pray over the the man prays over all the the young men under the talit and the the wife prays over all the young women and um it's just a a special way to acknowledge that this is the future of our church and we want to we want god to bless them so that they may bring up the next generation of the church after them. I noticed that the dance team had people of all different ages mm-hmm. on it, right? Do you have any kind of requirements of, of age or whatever? Uh, no. For the the dance team, honestly, it's I had to get used to this at first. A lot of our dances are a lot more relaxed because we have uh, some elderly people in there. And, you know, the younger people can jump around and uh, they can take a couple of falls and they'll be fine. But a lot of our dances are very low impact and very smooth and fluid just to, so that everyone can, you know, do them with uh, equal skill. And as they get older, they're cradling their elbow and they're saying, yeah, this is an old church dance injury, you know, way back in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I love that aspect of everybody being involved who mm. can be, you know, not everybody plays an instrument. Not everybody's called to preach which I got to ask you about that too. Cause I remember you said that whoever's turn it is, I have to ask you about that, mm-hmm. but uh, whatever gifting you may have, your church wants everybody involved every Sunday in one way or another. Yeah. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. That's the hope. That's awesome. Well, we're about coming to the end of our time, but let me ask you um, two things. Mm-hmm. The person who brings the message, do you have uh, a full-time pastor or is it volunteer or how does that work? So we, don't have any paid staff whatsoever in our congregation. The church relies purely on the 
donations of the head pastors and the deacons and the members of the congregation. And nobody gets paid for that, though. But, you know, it's we all believe that um, because they're all giving, then God will bless them for that. And he, he won't let us go bankrupt, you know. Mm hmm. So basically how it works is our head pastor doesn't deal with any of the finances whatsoever. That's actually passed off to a, a deacon who's in charge of that specifically. And that's just so he can keep accountability and, you know, nobody can blame him for embezzling or anything like that. So he doesn't even know what happens to the money or anything like that. And everyone pretty much goes in, does their job and goes out and we always have enough money to maintain what we need and, and get things done. We can bless people with things, you know, like we can buy people cars or um, send donations to other churches or people in need. And uh, yeah, it's always worked out so far. That is wonderful. Mm -hmm. I know that you're a young worship leader. Did you say 20? Yes. But I also know who you are and I know who your parents are. <laughs> and I know that you have a lot of wisdom for a young person. And so I'd like you to end us on some kind of wisdom for other worship leaders that would benefit from. Okay, yeah. So I think this would have helped me the most when I was starting out. It took me a long time to realize this, but I have um, I have two thoughts. One that's more of kind of on the negative side and more one that's on the positive side. Uh, I'll start with the negative and saying that really being a worship leader is, it's about 25% praising God and 75% dealing with human issues. Mm. And it, it doesn't just end after worship practice and the service. You're, you know, you have to constantly deal with um, situations and stress throughout the week. So the best advice I'd give for that is to surround yourself with older, wiser people than yourself that you can ask for help and their support. Um, and if, you know, if someone has a problem that you can't figure out, then get a couple of their opinions and uh, just take a breather, take a step back and uh, don't try to take everything head on by yourself. For the positive side, though, it's. Really, at the end of the day, it's, it's most important to remember what your ultimate job as a worship leader is. And like at the end of the day, you're trying to please God and not really the ears of your fellow people. So like instead of trying to break your back, you know, trying to play every chord and note perfectly and stressing out about it too much, it's better to make a couple mistakes here and there, but be completely focused on worshiping God. That's awesome. May the Lord bless you and keep you And make His face to shine upon you And be gracious to you Thank you very much, Anthony. I know yeah. that you are going to be uh, following these words of advice, and I, I really want to talk to you in a year from now, two years from now, and, uh, and see where we're at with that. So, Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Worship Leader Toolbox. We'll see you next time. Space to shine upon you and be great.